Welcome to Vulcan Hello, the Incomparables Star Trek Discovery Flashcast. I am one of your hosts, Scott McNulty. I am joined, as always, by Jason Snell. Jason, how are you? Hello, Scott. I'm doing well. It's good to be here. In the uh, we, we, We've been through the Valley of Shadows today. That's right. Uh, and, and in that valley, we sh- in one of the darkest shadows of all, <laughs> we found lurking Dan Morin. Dan! Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I've lured you here because Ooh. you were the most efficient way to get on the podcast, oh, I no. guess. Oh, no. So, am, uh, is Jason Spock? The shuttle isn't Burnham, big enough or? for the three yeah, of that us. Makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> well, this is already going splendidly. Let's talk about tea, Jason. Oh, yes. A little bit of tea This episode, is, as this whole season has been brought to you by the New Mexico Tea Company, I got an email from uh, our friends at the New Mexico Tea Company just today asking... Hmm. How the survey is doing, and the answer is, I looked it up, I, I didn't know, we had more than 200 entries in our uh, our survey, but there's still time, we're going to keep it open through the end of the season, you can go to nmteco.com, nmteaco.com, slash tv, and you get a, uh, you can uh, see the code, which I think is Trek, for a discount on tea, you can uh, get a link to the survey and fill it out for a fun game show we're going to do after the discovery season is over and uh and and much much more i actually placed an order for some new uh, tea there dan morin i ordered some tea that you like from the new mexico oh, tea company the kenyan, kenyan lelsa which was a uh, very oh, tasty good. it's a very good tea I'm and my daughter is really it. really loving the the uh instant chai that they sell too she's loving that so because it's also less work. i highly i highly recommend the root beer rubis which both smells like root beer and tastes mm. delicious. Mm, nothing better than warm root beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good tea, and I, I don't drink a lot of like non-black teas, but that's become one of my preferred teas for like drinking in the evening when I don't want caffeine. Typical federation nice... with your root beer. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, Star Trek references are everywhere. <laughs> That's right. All right. So I, buy some tea. I, I, I uh, yes, and I would like to make a motion, Scott. I would like to ma- oh. make a motion. You can you can deny it, but I'm going to try <laughs> to start working in the Klingon word for time crystal. Ah, which which I, I I turned on captions so I could write down what it was, and hilariously the because I watch on Amazon, so I don't know what it's like on CBS or on Netflix, but on Amazon when I turn on the closed captions, it gets to the line where the Klingon says the word time crystal in Klingon, and it says mm-hmm. in brackets speaks Klingon, <laughs> which does not help at all. So I'm going to da- take a stab at it and call it Bokkud. I, I made that a note good. saying uh, both Kuth is a better name for yes. time crystals. Yeah, <laughs> both Kuth, uh, crystals. I, I don't think I realized until this episode uh, that the time crystals are in the opening credits. They're like flying past the discovery in the very beginning, mm-hmm. like the first shot. They, they which add I assumed things. they were other crystals, but like I think they, I think they've been there, and we've just not really Have realized they? what they were because I think oh. they, they look kind of like they could be dilithium crystals. Yeah, but they're How not. How can you tell? They're, they're, the dilithium crystals are space crystals, mm. uh, and the time crystals just oh, deal with time. If you can get the uh, the mind crystals, the, the other four crystals, and the soul yes. crystals, you can make the crystal gauntlet. <laughs> it shatters right, easily, though, is the downside. Oh, that's next season on Star Trek okay. Discovery. Excellent. <laughs> they have to, to make it and get kill the half bike, the uh, I don't feel so good. <laughs> the cheapest of jokes. Oh, no. Uh, I, I would quote something else from the Avengers movie, but I can't remember any yeah, things from it. Uh, re- remember me always. I don't think they say that, but there. Yeah, no, that's more Spock. <laughs> yes. Mother. 
<laughs> well, let's talk about this episode, uh, gentlemen. Uh, a lot of stuff happens. Yeah. We see we see some Klingons. We see a secret Klingon baby that turns into a older secret Klingon monk? time monk. Yeah. Uh, and we see all kinds of stuff. There's it's a very lot, exciting. Lot in this episode. A There's a happened. time storm reference. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I didn't understand, but uh, yeah. I don't. Did Doctor Burnham ever mention time storm before this uh, journal entry that when she drops the time storm bomb? I thought she mentioned something about that that we saw last week when Burnham was going through her logs, but it was oh, maybe unclear then too. Yeah. I think. So it but, seems like uh, it seems like the, this this episode. So there's the section thirty one stuff. There's the mm-hmm. Klingon time crystal stuff. And there's the and then Culber there's like and, Culper and 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 Stamets and Reno, mm-hmm. right? Is that is mm-hmm. that primarily what the three plots are in this episode? There's a lot in this episode for one. Like it, it really moved. I I was right. uh, I, yeah. I enjoyed watching yeah. it. And it is a sh- it's one of the shorter episodes as well. Episode twelve through the Valley of Shadows, which we've already said. Uh, I was like what forty six minutes something like that. So oh. uh, they packed a lot in. Uh, why don't we start with the shortest one, which is uh, Stamets, Reno, and Culber uh, talking to each other. So how big are the nerds on a Starfleet ship that when they're eating their lunches they play the auto antonym game? <laughs> I know what an auto antonym is. Thank you very much. <laughs> I went to Starfleet Academy. As, there's some great lines in this episode, but perhaps the greatest is when Linus, the Saurian who we met in the elevator in episode one, reappears and he says, choke on that, humans. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I like that scene a lot because it's showing these characters that we don't spend much time with, other than Stamets, uh, just kind of doing uh, ship stuff, playing games, eating food. It's nice to, to Can, see them I doing normal things. I want to complain that in the future, Stamets should be smart enough and kind enough to bus his own tray and not just leave it oh. there when he gets up in a huff because it's just rude. It's rude. Well, Stamets is not the most considerate of people. I don't that know if you've noticed That's that. That's fair. <laughs> I, I like, well, I mean, he even says, eat your protein, mind your business, which is, I guess, how you say that in the in the 23rd century. <laughs> Shut your That's protein right. hole. Yeah. <laughs> I will I will do my own problems. Uh, yeah, and so is uh, Reno. Uh, oh, this is our, our segment, is uh, Finding Tig Nataro, or oh, yeah, what was it yeah. called? Is I Tig Nataro in this episode, I think, is what I called it. The answer is yes. Uh, Jack, yeah, she is. Check mm-hmm. it off. Ding. Yeah, this is the this is actually the clip of where she goes to Culber and says his name rhymes with poo. That's the clip she showed when she was on Stephen Colbert last week. Was that, that yes? Clip. They showed like twenty seconds of that clip, uh, and I thought it was a weird choice when yeah. I was watching Stephen Colbert, uh, and then when I saw it in the episode, I understood why they didn't show more because it would make absolutely no sense to anybody who hadn't seen the episode exactly uh, or the rest of the episodes. And so, yeah, so Stamets is uh, pouting because uh, his uh, Culber and his relationship is not uh, where he would like it to be. And uh, Reno's like, man, I need you on your game, so I'm going to go talk to Culper and see if I can fix this for you, because she's an engineer and she wants to fix things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she has, a, I thought, a nice uh, little conversation where we it's revealed that she was married uh, and her spouse had died during the Klingon War, uh, and, and the woman uh, that... Uh, Reno was married to was very much like Stamets, uh, and they have a nice, they they bond over kind of wedding planning and and things. And then she basically says, you know, you got a second chance, uh, don't screw it up. I really like Colbert here because he, he, you know, Wilson Cruz gets to do some actual stuff other than looking kind of sulky and, and grim. <laughs> like he actually seems 
like oh yes i can see why why somebody would fall in love with this man I mean, he's not just like no oh, i'm angry all the time i'm oh, reborn this is terrible and i i kind of i like him i like him as a character more based on just the interactions that they have here yes yeah. it, it, they do a good job of humanizing him yeah and and uh tina Taro, okay so she is a stand-up comedian and she's got this part and she's kind of uh cynical and 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 cracks wise and it's a she, reno is a fun character reno whose name i couldn't remember last time uh yeah reno you couldn't remember <laughs> the name Jet I, I, should, I really should have um <laughs> I, I will say this so and the way she does this scene with Wilson Cruz, uh, other than, yes, your name rhymes with poo, which we saw. Um, <laughs> like, this is interesting because how do you, like, I think it's really well done. I, in fact, I would say this was my favorite scene in the entire episode, even though it has nothing to do with all the exciting things that happen anywhere else. Because I love how Reno approaches um, what Culber is going through and and makes that connection of like, yes, I also had a spouse and w- they were also frustrating and not like me and we're like this and they're like that. Um, but when she says basically, oh, my wife passed away in the war um, and, and says, you know, you're lucky. You got a second chance. Don't screw it up. It is, I, I found it remarkably affecting. Like, it, and part of it was it's so straightforward because that's this character. And I think that's kind of Tignataro's persona, like her personality coming through here, too, is like, she's not going to beat around the bush. She's like, I came here to tell you that my wife died and I never get to see her again. And you're lucky, so don't blow it like and and like mm-hmm. that's that i found that very affecting that it's just so straightforward she's not even trying to be clever about it she she's just saying i lost my partner and uh you came back from the dead so uh, uh you know a little a little bit of like i wish that happened to me it didn't it happened to you um you know don't screw it up it's just i, I thought it was a great scene <laughs> I agree, and I'm glad that they went with the. They, it wouldn't have played as well if she had gone into like, let's explore our emotions and let's, you know, don't waste this chance and and gone on a solilo- solilo- soliloquy. Uh, but she just kind of slaps him on the back and says, "Don't screw it up," yep. and leaves. Uh, and Problem I thought, yeah, fixed. That's, that's exactly Matter of fact, that. yeah, she, yeah, like you said, she's an engineer. That's yeah. what she mm-hmm. does. And that's really that's the nothing else it. happens after that. That's it. That's Two the, the little. <laughs> Uh, but they were very good scenes, so uh, kudos to those scenes. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's move on to... I like to give particular scenes kudos in case they're <laughs> listening to the podcast. Good job, thank, thank you, Scott. <laughs> oh, see? That was Linus. Linus, Linus is, uh, thanks, thanks you when he's thinking of another auto-antonym. Uh, he's, he's always thinking of those. Let's move on to uh, the section 31 section of uh, the plot, because I think the, the time crystal part uh, is the most interesting yeah. to me. So uh, I think we can leave that to the last because we'll have more to talk about there. Uh, so section I, 30. Can I Go start ahead. by saying something about, okay, so there's a scene late in the episode. I know this isn't really relevant to the plot, but I just, I have to t- say it. There's a scene very late in the episode where the ships are converging on the discovery. And they say there are 30 section 31 ships. That's almost <laughs> their entire fleet. And I think to myself, does section 31 mean the number of ships they have? <laughs> yep. I did yeah. not even think about that, but that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> It's almost, That's how they got the name. It's almost all of them. Other than oh, the just one. kidding. There's the last one. Oh, there it is. Oh. All of Section 31, which is the number of ships that they have, is here. Yeah, I just. I, I do have a. 
<laughs> yeah, all right, we'll get there. I have a I have a question about mm-hmm. about you know they're running down the the options at the end, and mm-hmm. I kind of felt like this was one place where. This is the problem with introducing an adversary that has like these really broad reaching powers is always like struggling a little bit with like what are the limitations on the powers and how do you combat it because there are things that come up in this episode where you know you have to run that line between well our our adversary is supposed to seem like insurmountable and they're from the future and they have all this information and they're really like they can infect people etc etc but we need to also give our heroes a chance to actually beat the bad guy so they Mm -hmm. can't be like infallible Mm -hmm. and that's a that's a tough line to walk and there are points where i feel like it's a little too like uh, like vague how some of this stuff works like their plan to 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 like secure the ai in this one like <laughs> why would that why would that work if it's really that smart and that powerful like i i have some questions at sometimes and like it's it's one of those things where i feel like maybe you just don't look directly at it and like <laughs> you see out the well, corner of your eyes like it's fine it's fine <laughs> I, I read that so they're basically making a honeypot right on the the ship to to lure the uh, the control right, into right. a certain section of memory or something right and then they're gonna close right. it off um, once they get onto the section thirty one ship uh, and so I read that as the they don't think the control is fully in control of that ship and it is it is infecting everything slowly so maybe it's not fully aware of itself uh, and so then they can they can do that I, I don't know I'm just reading into this but I did think uh, it was clever that they had that honeypot and in fact. They were being honeypotted themselves yeah, I, by I control. That was one of the most clear, uh, dumb, computery, hand wavy <laughs> things they've done all season. Was like, I, I felt Fair. for a moment like pe- these people actually understood like the computers the systems that they used, and they're like, "I've got an idea. We can lure it into this thing when we reboot, and then we and then we disconnect it, and then it's not." on the rest of the ship's computers. I was like, okay, I'll buy that. Like that, that seemed less ridiculous to me, but yes, the, the turn, the, I, I do agree with Dan that there is that moment where you're, where you're like, it's so advanced that it's completely on top. But I mean, they've got to try, right? They, they sure. come oh, here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from but, a, yeah. from a perspective of plot, I think, I guess my, my, my questioning was like, well, I mean, it's kind of everywhere, right? So couldn't it like go in there and then stay in the computer where everything else is anyway? Ah, whatever. I don't. <laughs> just I'm not going to overanalyze that's, it. That's Dan's advice to the Discovery crew: just give up. It's it's already <laughs> one. There's yeah, no point suffering anymore. is futile, Scott. Is what I've been told. Um, that is true. Uh, and so, how do they get on this ship? So Burnham, uh, Section Thirty One ships have fled, and Burnham wants to go after them yeah. because uh, she's like, "Why are we wasting our time with these stupid signals? Uh, they haven't taken us anywhere. They haven't been useful. Let's go get uh, Leland and Control." Uh, to which everyone else says, "Well, we have the one thing that Control wants, so we really shouldn't bring it to Control." Right. Uh, which well, I thought was clever. Yeah, my complaint last. <laughs> time about the whole like we're trying to copy it and and isn't copying deleting i feel like in this episode they address it um the further we get away from that episode two two episodes ago the more things start to make sense again <laughs> like there was that one episode <laughs> yes. where, like i don't i don't really buy anything here but uh, th- so here it's very clearly put out it's like we can't delete this thing we can't copy it we can't delete it we're kind of stuck with it so 
you know, don't take the discovery. And I was like, yes, good. You can't delete it. You're, you're, you know, you're stuck with it. And I guess that's the point is that they weren't going to be able to delete it. They just wanted to make a copy. Leland wanted to make a copy or control wanted to make a copy. Um, I'm also frustrated by the fact that section 31 ships don't have names. It drives me crazy. I did. I, I do really like that <laughs> moment numbered. where, um, where, well, they're all numbered Scott, but the rest of them have names. There's just really number 31. 31, 31. Yeah. That's it's just, it's very clear. So, um, I like the scene with, Saru and Burnham because there's a little like mm-hmm. story arc thing put in there. He gives her the permission to go and she says, I didn't think you were going to do that. And he says, I'm kind of a different captain now that I lost my uh, my ganglia and all of that. Maybe he says that is the purpose for the signal being placed over Kaminar. And I feel like, you know, just after we got this resolution of like, who's the red angel? What, what's the red angel? And it was the the double, you know, bluff of, uh, oh, it's, it's Burnham. Oh, no, it's not. It's Burnham's mom. Uh, I feel like the show is like, ah, yes, but who's doing the signals? And, and And that is probably like our characters or some of our characters or something. But I thought this was really interesting because it gives a reason for Kaminar having been targeted is mm-hmm. like Saru is basically in that moment saying, perhaps me sending you on this mission is only happening because of somebody from the future changing me to do it. And, you know, he doesn't actually say that, but that is the strong implication is Saru changing his frame of mind is maybe the reason they sent uh, the signal to Kaminar, which is is pretty pretty Although dramatic because uh, it's like ruining an entire race's uh, culture <laughs> in order to get one guy in the right place at the right time on Discovery. Was, but wasn't his? Uh, th- this just occurred to me as we were talking about. It. Wasn't his his transformation though was triggered by the signal at the Sphere though, not a Cam? Because you know, by the, the time sphere, they go to Kaminar, the f- Sphere no, started. They didn't. It. They didn't they didn't find this. They found the sphere because of the signal. So this this is a oh, very yeah, no, I agree. It's clever still the signal. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it, it, no. it's definitely hanging a lantern on the idea that Saru yes. is doing what he's doing because he's changed, which was because right. of all the shenanigans. And the that signal have triggered that. Time and, and shenanigans. Yeah. They have that same conversation, and they're on the shuttle where Spock makes the argument that the commonality is Burnham in every. Mm-hmm. situation sure. where the signals have appeared and that you know it's michael tries to sort of rebuff that and be like hey, come on you're a scientist like that doesn't really make sense but he's like well i mean <laughs> look at the evidence <laughs> nothing is making sense <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I i mean it seems like you know after the whole thing again with the whole thing with the red angel and like having a connection which it obviously ended up having a connection to burnham and spock um there is still a strong argument that the signals are being perpetrated by somebody with a connection to Burnham. I think so. Perhaps even Burnham herself, but we'll find Could out. Uh, one assumes, unless they are just like, eh, we're not going to explain the signals uh, and everyone's heads will explode. Uh, oh. I did, I did appreciate that. So when uh, Saru says, okay, Burnham, you can go off by yourself on the shuttle and uh, go check this out. I thought, shouldn't he make someone go with her? Uh, yeah. And then yeah. she's in the shuttle and Spock shows up and I was like, ah, good. Thank you, episode, for not yeah. making me angry. I had the same thoughts, Scott. <laughs> oh, I actually, uh, among my list of things that I feel like this episode is trying to kind of like fix or at least address from previous episodes early on 
um, they had that conversation about uh, time travel and, with Spock and and Michael and uh, Amanda, I think. And oh, mm-hmm. uh, there's that moment of like, stop speculating about, or maybe it's right after that scene where it's like, stop speculating about the future. It's unproductive. And I'm like, yes, yes, please stop speculating about <laughs> the future. And I think Spock says it is a colossal waste of time. It's like, <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Let's just do, Let's just do action. Right. Let's do that instead. Is that, is that when they're talking about the red signals and the origins of the red signals? And yeah, like, and maybe it's it means this, and, it's, and maybe it's yeah, that. And it's like, and stop. Like, oh, let's just stop it. Just stop. We, we got burned by this the last time. Let's not right. do that again. Right. I'm like, yes, good. I like that, because they did get burned by that the last time. It was really dumb. They do. And I, I enjoy the fact that Spock is in the shuttle with Burnham because I enjoy every scene with Burnham and Spock yeah. and their relationship mm-hmm. is, uh, I still like the, I buy it, I like it, yeah. I want more of it. Where he welcomes himself on the on the ship when they're, it's in the hangar bay is hilarious because it's very much like a mm, little brother is always tagging along kind of moment. It's great. <laughs> and I like her, the end of that scene where she goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. And you're like, yeah, that's the appropriate reaction to Spock. It's really good. It's really good. And then they had that conversation where she says she's enraged and he gives her the, you know, rage is the enemy of logic. Um, and uh, and that that's, of course, then interrupted by the arrival of uh, them in a field of <laughs> dead, frozen dead bodies. Yes. Very so, creepy. Must uh, be Thursday. Yeah, and then they scan it, and they're like, oh, there's one alive. Let's immediately beam him aboard. And I thought, I don't know if that's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. understand, but... Yeah, and well, I mean, if you just leave him there, you'd be, you know, be they're not going to live much longer, so... Yeah, yeah. so I know I understand why, but I just thought, hmm... I didn't... I, at this point, was like, oh, it's a guy from the Shenzhou, and she feels really bad, and they got to go over the ship. And it was only about four scenes later that I was, I was like... Oh, oh, wait, this guy's bad. Like, it, it took yeah, me no a while to get I, to the point where, where there was that moment where they're, where they're like, oh, let's, let's uh, log into the computer, Spock does. And the guy's talking to Burnham. And then I had that mm-hmm. moment where I, I wrote down, oh, wait, that guy's control, isn't he? <laughs> and, and then yes. I was wondering that when, the, uh, like, when they first beamed him aboard, like Scott, like, thinking, like, well, maybe, again, when you're up against this like, massive bad guy from the future with these long-reaching <laughs> powers, like, I kind of feel like you just want to be super careful about everything but I, to but, be fair they don't know that control can like take over bodies right because that was right. that was leland that was, and, and that wasn't revealed mm-hmm. to them they didn't know that well ash knew that though right ash i suppose ash did ash, ash, I guess, ash yeah. and giorgio who was mentioned but not seen in this episode uh and i think burnham that. later says uh it's not just leland it can now take over oh, okay okay right. so yeah, she, yeah, does, they, she does they, know it they, then they, they should have probably leland been more did. careful with gant then shouldn't they right they knew what they knew yes. leland did but they weren't sure how far that raged it was convenient that <laughs> like obviously that the the body picked or the control picked the one dude for her old ship, <laughs> but that's, right? That's, well, that's, control well, would know. I, I, I think that's exactly it, right? Is control? Oh yeah, no, I agree. To manipulate her, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I, I meant. That's that's exactly true. But it's it's fascinating. Like, wouldn't you be more suspicious when it's like the <laughs> one person who survived is my old buddy from the well, show? I think I feel like it's control is playing on. It knows their instincts as Starfleet officers. Like they immediately want to save these people, and sure. then yeah. uh, you know emotions are running high. And oh look, it's a friend that I've saved. And, and tell me. All, this is a great break because we don't know what's going on but i know this dude so we could trust him uh although to your point dan they really should have said mm, maybe yeah. this is too convenient <laughs> yeah. i like um 
I like that whole action scene where uh, Spock is trying to get back to Burnham because he's realized that the guy is bad and mm-hmm. he's trying to get her and there there's a firefight and then she eventually shoots him shoots literally a hole through him but it doesn't matter <laughs> and then nice nanites shot. pour out and they're coming for her and so it oh. becomes almost like a horror movie stalking thing and it hurt it's hurt Spock's hand but he's trying to he's trying to figure out a way to do it and and I, I did have a moment where I thought remember when phasers fired a continuous beam <laughs> good yeah. times because she's like boo 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 and it then keeps coming and I'm like phasers. Oh, she does du- yeah she yeah, does she the does double fisted thing, but, awesome. but like mm-hmm. if it's a continuous beam you just go and they can't come and get you but that does not happen uh, but then Spock uses science to magnetize the floor and he says in another of the good lines in this episode I apologize for being so slow <laughs> <laughs> well, he had to do math to figure out yeah. the exact right. So I would have been like, just do maximum amounts, Spock. Yeah, well, don't do the math. Yeah. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Spock. Like her, her spacesuit gets stuck to the floor. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can apologize to me later. Uh, and I, I will say, I laughed at the sound effect of the nanites just because it's like every single like swarm sound effect of like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just thought it was funny. But I uh, thought it was effectively creepy though. Like the scene with all the nanites pouring out of the guy. I thought no, no, I, I like Jason. Yeah. The, the, yeah, it looked super, super yeah. creepy. And we get the uh, yes. conventional fight before that, and he's got the little stabby thing where with full of nanites that he's going oh, yeah. to get her, and then they, they do all that. But then when she finally gets the upper hand and shoots a hole through him, it doesn't help because the nanites pour out, and they're going to come and get her, which is super yeah creepy and all of that. And this is after this is all done, this is the point where Spock says um, she's feeling down, and he's like, no, no, this is great. They they You are... This means you're the threat. You're the one who can mm-hmm. stop this. Like them targeting you isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing because they wouldn't target you target you if you weren't important. It's like, you know, again, Spock is Burnham's biggest booster. I like it. And it makes sense, right? And he Spock is the one who's like, no, we the present is yet to be, the future is yet to be read, written. The present is the moment in which we can change the future, uh, because you know last episode Burnham was like, well, it's all done. We're control's going to kill us. Uh, Taking you know a page out of Dan Morin's book, uh, we can't win, so we might as well give up. Uh, and Spock is like, no, the board is yours, Burnham. We can we can do this, uh, and well, it remains to be seen if they can do that, but. We'll find out. I, I'm going to assume that the uh, the second season of Discus- Star Trek Discovery does not end with all sentient life dying in the universe. <laughs> well, it's a heck of a way to wrap up the show. Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, I don't know. But the, And so they go back to Discovery, and uh, they have that uh, scene that Dan talked about at the beginning of this section where they go through their options, right? Uh, of, of what? They have three options. Uh, blow up the ship. Uh, I forget what the other options are, but they, they talk about them. <laughs> Well, this is my question. Like, they're like, well, we could run, but you know, they'll they'll just follow us. And my first thought was, you have a sport drive. Like, they could follow you, but it's gonna take them a while, right? right. Like, that's true. You can and jump already... halfway across the universe and just hang out and like take time to like consider your options before yeah. they caught up to you. That's what it's I was take thinking. Some time. Let's jump a few yeah. times and just kind of like work the problem. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, I was kind of surprised that they didn't. They're like, nope, blow it up the ship. <laughs> well, like, that's, that's where we go. What, what Pike says basically is like, call the Enterprise, which is apparently functional again, and we're going to meet them somewhere and then we'll blow up the ship. But yeah, I, 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 I hear you. Like, I had that thought, too, of you could you could delay for a while at least. Um and and just hop around using the spore drive, although there may be limitations there too. But that that was a thought that sure. I had. Right. Yeah. No. I, I 
I did not think blowing up the ship was like the option they were going to jump quite <laughs> so fast. <laughs> it's option one. It, just, it, it fixes everything. Yeah. The first on um, the Starfleet problem solving checklist, the first thing is blow up the ship. <laughs> uh, it solves all the problems. Uh, I do think it's an interesting decision for Pike to make at that time, considering what has happened just happened to him. Yes, uh, in that he has seen his future, uh, so he knows, and one assumes, kind of sealed the fate of his future by accepting the time crystal and we will get to that storyline so it's interesting that he kind of he he can trust his decision because he knows that he doesn't die on that ship (laughs) right right i suppose that's true yeah it's also i mean from a slightly stepping back from a more plot contrivance uh aspect it's also a way to get the enterprise back in the picture since we're going into the last couple episodes of the season and yeah they want a chance to do that yeah, they spent the money on uh, Rebecca Romaine. They have to. Yep. They have to use her, uh, and and get the band back together so that Pike can then leave at the end of the season. Right. Uh, so speaking of Pike, uh, let's uh, talk about uh, the Klingon time plan. Cold crystals. <laughs> That's right. On I, I, Boreth. I have a Boreth. strong comment about the Boreth. First of all, I think this episode conclusively establishes that if Vulcans are the space elves than Klingons are the space dwarves. (laughs) Because both Kat and I were watching this in like that scene where they cut down to the cave and we're both like, the minds of more. So one of my notes here is, is something that like, I didn't see this coming that they were going to do this thing with like the, these time Klingon time monks. And they talk about like, this is the pillar of the past and the present and all of that stuff. And I I really like it. I like the idea that there's this little, that the Klingons have this planet that has this time sensitive stuff on it. And, um, and that they 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 have created this whole kind of structure of these monks who are the guardians of it. They're they're like like the guardian of forever, right? Like they're it's yeah. too dangerous to use. We've created this whole weird monks are out of time. Time flows differently to protect this because it's too dangerous. And there's the weird the whole weird like monk uh, structure that they built up. Like I really I, like that. I think that adds a dimension to the Klingons. Like they're not all just these belligerent warrior types they've also got this whole spiritual thing and and throwing like a time travel and time sense thing into it like i I really i really dig that i thought that was nice to see a different angle on the klingons i agree and i i i'm fascinated by the fact that they're like we decided it was too dangerous because based on everything we know about the klingons like of course they would immediately try to weaponize it right but like even the klingons were like (laughs) no we should not be screwing around with these like i kind of am curious now about the backstory but like oh yeah that one guy (laughs) that one guy tried to use time crystals as a weapon and like he you know immediately aged a thousand years and died or something Uh, (laughs) his cranial ridges disappeared (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but i did love what you know when these show up and like first of all the the timekeeper uh that we we meet here like throws back his hood and i'm like oh man he's an he's an albino too like this is where they send all the albino Klingons. <laughs> it took me all the outcasts. kind of a minute to like put that whole thing together which i think it was you know sort of intentional but yeah, yeah i, yeah, I enjoyed that time Klingon, baby time flows differently here like that tree over there that just grew <laughs> uh, see what i mean here you know, my favorite retcon in the whole thing is when he says um you know it's the namesake of chrono 
Kronos. Um, and I, I was like, oh, like Kronos, like, cr- like time. Oh, time. And that, I thought that yeah. was a really cool retcon, right, of the name of Kronos, is that, that this whole time religion thing is actually a, an, an ancient part of Klingon culture. I thought that was really awesome. That was I cool. Agree. And I, 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 uh, I find myself liking the name Time Crystal more in the context of Time Monks as opposed <laughs> to Space Age Time Suits. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, don't that's know why, true. I just do. That's true, because it's more I, mystical and stuff. Bokkut, mm-hmm. Scott. Bokkut. I did laugh a lot. I love the look of this entire sequence, but I did find it very funny that the Klingon monastery is like very much looks like a cathedral like from <laughs> Earth. Yeah. It's like, a, it's oh, look a, at all those vaulted ceilings and like the staircases and the well, windows. Well, they saw it back like, in time. Cool they saw cathedral. it back in time to that architecture and they were like, hmm, I like that. That's cool. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's very cool. monastery. Sure. <laughs> That's true. It's monastic, I believe, yeah. is ah. the word. That's yeah. fine. Sure. Yeah, I haven't okay. that word yet. Whatever, Scott, with your education. Blah, Whatever. Blah, 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 blah. It's not an auto antonym, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Well, that is that is true. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I liked the. I agree that it's not an auto antonym, but I also uh, like the whole look of it. I like the time monks. I mm-hmm. like that this is the secret Klingon baby grown up in the weird time place. Yeah. Uh, I, I also like that he's like, hey, you're not the first person to come here asking for a time crystal, dude. Uh, many have entered. Uh, few will win. Yeah, you won't <laughs> like what you learn. And 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 I, uh, you know, it, yeah, it's good. Like, there was a price to be paid. Of course there's a price to be fa- paid. The name of the episode is Through the Valley of Shadows, for Pete's sake. Come on, Pike. Yeah, Did you not know what episode good. you're in? <laughs> but, and uh, I think this yeah. is another great use of Pike and his back, oh, backstory man. that we know, because you know you know what the price oh, is, man. right? Because they're like... He reaches out to touch it, and I'm like... Oh my God! They're yeah, gonna show. It. I mean, this season they, we've already seen Talos four again, right? It's mm-hmm. like they're gonna show the radiation leak and the baffle plates and the cadets and Pike saving people while he's being horribly burned. And not only did we see that, then very slowly we see him in the wheelchair. Oh, oh yeah, down that comes, corridor. Oh, he's walking towards to it. Face. They're like, "Don't, don't walk down that corridor, no, Captain don't Pike." Do it. <laughs> As soon as, yeah, I definitely was, I, as soon as I came up, I was like, oh my God, they're going to show him in the, in the crazy little, like, sort of Dalek wheelchair. Beep, mm-hmm. beep. And, and on top of that, um, I've liked so much about what Anson Mount has done with Pike and how they've written that character this season. That moment where the, the time monk, the Klingon time monk, it's a thing that I say now is the phrase Klingon time monk. Uh, if you take the crystal, your fate will be sealed. It's such a fantastic moment where Pike oh, yes. is like, I, this is who I am. If I'm going to abandon the things that I am because of future I hadn't foreseen for myself, who, you know, who am I? And and it's just like such a wonderful moment where he's like, if that's my fate, so be it. I'm going to be true to myself. And it's just, it's fantastic. And, and to rewrite 50 plus years of Star Trek to say that Pike knew it was going to happen and he still did it. Oh, like, that's yes. amazing. Great job. I, I love, you know, there are so many TV shows where the pep talk is like such a standard tar- a standard part of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I never see the guy giving the pep talk to themselves, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. I agree. I think, and it's also one of the few cracks we've seen in him because he's genuinely terrified well, yeah, of you that have, future. Rightfully so, right. that he just saw. It's, it's right. terrifying. It, it, it is. But, and even on when he's back on the ship, you can tell that he is a changed man in, in, yes, in one way. Because he's sort of, I mean, it's like getting... 
it's like getting a death sentence and maybe he doesn't know or like a diagnosis of a fatal disease or something like that. he doesn't know when exactly maybe but he knows it's going to happen it's not the future he i'm sure he he foreseed moving back to mojave and taking a picnic lunch and riding out on his horse all day right and instead it's like no you're going to die in an accident on a starship and be like confined to this terrible wheelchair i did have a moment where i was kind of hoping that he would flash a little forward and be like oh and then i go to talos with Dina and i have <laughs> but the time crystals want to show you the worst right they're not going to show you that part and yeah. i did think it was funny then he's like okay i'll take the time crystal and the, the Klingon Sorry, like, breaks it I, off and i thought mm, uh, you shouldn't touch that again captain Pike. Yeah, just like put I, do you have a bag you can put it in that's something. right that's right i'm just picturing the uh the person with the really boring future touch the time crystal and they flash forward and they're just like eating a sandwich or something <laughs> it's like well, it looks so bad oh, those, it seems fine those kind of people don't come to the klingon planet to get a time crystal dan <laughs> that's yeah, they're, they're not I very guess. motivated it's only interesting people who come and get the get the time crystals anyway i thought i, have, I thought it was amazing that this season has been so fearless and touching all of these sacred moments in star trek history and just going with it and showing pike yeah. be injured and all of that it just is yet again um what a great job and that the anson mount is pike like he's great like the way that's that played that's played is so great like that it's his duty to do it and and he knows that it that he has to get the crystals and what come come away i mean to be fair he does sort of see himself dying in a uh in a uh, or almost dying in a in an honorable way but mm-hmm. um yeah i'm it's also not, unclear on the fact that if you refuse the crystals does that mean that you get so, to change your fate i'm Maybe? assuming I that's, that's what that uh, klingon time monk led me to yeah. believe yeah yeah well, i'm by, sure he's telling me by truth. choosing the crystal you have set yourself down the path, the path. that leads to that, that yeah, future i, guess. I think I that's what the, the monks uh, say so tiny wibbly wibbly wobbly jason <laughs> yeah yeah it's and true I think it's even more interesting because Pike doesn't know if he's right that they need a time crystal. He just thinks that there's a signal here. They're time crystals. It seems to make sense. Well, like it's a gamble. And, and he's on his mission, right? His mission is to is to save all sentient life in the galaxy. So it's probably worth a risk to right. get this thing that's incredibly important. You know, since they know that they have the this is a key component of whatever they need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I like Pike when he's back on the ship. He he you know he says what I experience is just for me. And and uh, but he does talk to Lorel and ash about their son and says your son was meant to be there and i was meant to be guided by him which i think is really interesting because it shows that you know you spend a little time with the time crystals and you were a changed person (laughs) and this is true he's like we all have a part to play and he's thinking obviously of the fact that he has a part to play and it's not necessarily what he envisioned for himself it's a yeah i thought that was really good and that was a good use of uh of of them um i also like the line earlier which we didn't talk about ash and laurel they only have a couple of scenes but mm-hmm. um where where she's like i'm gonna have to protect that baby and he asks if it's as the chancellor of the klingons or as a mother and she says in another good line of this episode you of all people should understand two truths are possible take that secret <laughs> klingon that's right yeah. we know your game ash tyler uh, uh small point that i liked about the flash forward too was yet another so that we know it's the future different uniforms different uniforms which look very much like the into darkness uniforms which i thought was interesting hmm. the gray tunic thing yeah like there's mm-hmm. this there's the whole thing into darkness where they including pike are wearing those uniforms when they're on earth and i thought man 
Starfleet goes through a lot of uniforms. Yeah, that's true. It's true. <laughs> We've already got the, like, distributed. The, the, the Discovery yeah, and Enterprise uniforms, which are, according to the preview anyway, the Enterprise uniforms coming back. Um, <laughs> and it's a trainee Splatter crew, stand. which is which is always... I always yeah. th- think about the, the menagerie when I'm watching Star Trek II, because it's the same idea, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's a ship mm-hmm. full of full of trainees. It's not really meant to be out on a on an actual mission. And then in, in the case of the menagerie, they have this terrible accident, and Pike is saving people just like and is horribly burned just like scotty's uh, nephew in star trek 2 right, right. yeah oh, well. r.i.p or, or spock in star trek 2 honestly oh great. yeah jason don't spoil it oh, for spoil, people. sorry i spoiled star trek 2 it doesn't yeah spock took a time crystal he'd be like wow i die oh but then i'm alive oh but then i go back in time oh and then i die of old age ah, that's okay <laughs> all right that, that was quite it's a right time crystal. Crystal. Spock can't touch the time crystals his it's way too complicated that's right. The time crystal just melts yeah. when Spock touches it. It shorts out. It's uh, too uh, much. Oh, uh, oh my God. I die soon, but I'm very old. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, you, you find out. Uh, yeah. I will say, uh, uh, you mentioned Laurel. I got quite excited when uh, I think Pike or Saru says, oh, their D7 is approaching. And I was like, oh, do I get to see a Klingon D7? And the answer is yes. Yeah. For like 30 seconds, it's hovering there next to the Discovery, and it looks awesome. So, yeah, it, awesome. Yeah, so I had that moment where I was like, did they build the real, like, real Klingon ship? And they did. They did. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It was good. It pleased me. Classic. It, it was good. That's right. And so uh, now Pike is a changed man. They're blowing up starships and going back to the Enterprise. And Section Thirty of Thirty One, Section <laughs> yes. Thirty One ships are showing up. Yep. And and that's uh, that's where we leave it. Is we're going to rendezvous with the USS Enterprise and blow ourselves up. So get some quarters available. <laughs> well, and uh, have, off we go. I'm starting to build like you know conspiracy theory stuff about the oh, end of the season. It's time for oh, the conspiracy phaser. <laughs> Well, so, we, you know, obviously, I, I'm sure there's been a lot of talk about the short treks and how they work in. Yes. And Calypso being mm-hmm. the one that's the most interesting oh. there. We do know. So, for example, their plan was let's send the suit back into the future with all the sphere data. But the sphere data is in discovery now. And the suit is mm-hmm. in the future. Right. Yes. So what if there's a way to use the time crystal to jump discovery to the future? At which point it's like super far in the future and just lying there. Well, in it, basically for Calypso, in and Calypso, it develops its own AI. in Calypso, the ship it says that it's been there for a thousand years or whatever, which mm. makes me wonder if their plan in the end is going to be to abandon Discovery, hidden somewhere. Uh, where yeah. nobody can find it, where the AI is not going to be able to find it and have it wait for them. And, and then they somehow they travel forward in time to meet it and right. Burnham's mom and get the and get it all together and yeah i had that same thought dan i keep thinking that they're going to drop the the calypso thing in and they haven't done it yet but i feel like they may be lining it up and i will also mention and this is not a huge spoiler for the next time trailer but behind saru on a screen in the next time trailer is the planet zahaya which is the planet that is ruled by Tilly's friend from the ah. other short trek. Oh, no, I so didn't notice all that. All the short treks are turning out to be revealed as being relevant, except for Harry Mudd, maybe uh, oh. relevant to the plot line here because Zahaya, which is where Tilly's, uh, Tilly's little friend is from, is also uh, apparently mentioned in next week's episode. So, yeah, I feel like I feel like the Calypso thing is starting to be more and more not just a, huh, I wonder why the Discovery is sitting in a cloud for a thousand years and more like, oh, that's actually where the, what they're going to have to do at the end of the season. 
Maybe. That's what they're going to yeah. show up, but they're going to be like, you've been dancing this whole time. Dan, I've been talking about that Calypso uh, conspiracy for about five weeks now, so yes. welcome, welcome well, to the Calypso I, Jason's conspiracy. Jason's obsessed with it's Calypso. It's so good to be here, because, I mean, well, I mean, once they started working the Saru thing in more directly, I was like, well, come on, you're not just going to make three more and be like, oh, yeah, but those have nothing to do with our season. Like, that seems weird. Oh, so, will they? I, I'm on board. I'm on board with All this. Right. Uh, oh, excellent. I, I do want to know how the whole, like, uh, super smart computer AI, well, good AI. Maybe a good AI is what you need to fight a bad AI. I don't that's know. Right. That's the only. Yeah. That's the only way to fight a bad AI yeah. is a good AI with a fight gun. AIs with yes. If you that's outlaw AI with a phaser, a good oh, AI with a phaser. Yeah. There we go. That's right. Let's talk about. So I, I've heard enough of Calypso. Let's talk about <laughs> the uh, other conspiracy theory that folks uh, on the internet seem oh, to have yes. gained steam uh, oh, this week in particular for some reason, uh, and that is that control is a retelling of the origins of the Borg. I'm which not I don't convinced. Buy. It's not like mm-hmm. it seems like I saw the stuff and it's like yeah there's some definite tips of the hat there, but nothing about it has seemed super Borg like. I don't know Borgs they're not about like uh, annihilating life they're about they're, assimilating they're, life exactly they, they're collecting it they want to expand their collective and make right. it bigger they don't want to kill everybody they, so they that's, need they need yeah. organic life to a certain extent they're not just mm-hmm. robots that's their whole point yeah and, and, and it, it's literally leland said struggle was pointless last week and everybody was like aha that's uh that's something a borg would say which is not quite and <laughs> struggle is pointless there's got to be a better way also, to say that it's also <laughs> something that a dalek would say so i mean yes. let's just yeah. uh are, are, is that your no, theory now, Jason? He is not a Dalek. I, I think it's an interesting idea, um, and I actually wouldn't put it past this show to make some sort of reference to the Borg, yeah. but I don't think this is like a secret origin of the Borg. The implication of Star Trek lore is that the Borg have been around somewhere far away for a long time, um, mm. you know, assimilating different races, but... Yeah. I would love to see, I, by the way, a Star Trek story at some point that actually details the origins of the Borg, but it's, this doesn't feel like it. Well, no, it feels like it would be a weird throwaway for like one of the most famous enemies uh, in Star Trek to be just yeah. like, a, oh, by the way, this is how it started. Yeah, we sent the AI. Right. I mean, I, I would hate it if they did this, where it's like, well, what we did was we couldn't defeat the control AI, but we could send it back in time and halfway across the galaxy where it'll be no trouble. I'm like, mm, no, don't yeah, do that. That'll probably be fine. That'll be fine. Don't do that. Fine. Don't, don't do that. And then we send a signal. Also, yes. and, and, and we're not going to write down that we did this anywhere so the future generations <laughs> will be aware of it, just in yeah. case it's a problem. No, well, not, Starfleet record keeping is not great. I love conspiracy theories, but I'm not a, a buyer in the, uh, in the Borg conspiracy theory. I feel like we've gone past it now. I agree. I, I, agree. I, I would be, and I and I agree that I don't think since you know it seems clear that the, the the people behind Discovery really aren't like, oh, we shouldn't touch anything in the classic timeline, right? Like, I have no problem with them saying in a future season that they might decide like, oh, we could do an interesting story with the Borg, but I don't think this is necessarily. I agree. I don't think this is where they're going with it. I agree. We could all be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure that we are not, and that everyone else is. <laughs> uh, to, Sounds to, right to quote Doctor Crusher. Uh, if it's nothing's wrong with me, then the universe must be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, one of my favorite Dr. Crusher lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so w- let's wrap this all up by saying, what did we think of this episode? Uh, I liked it. So there we go. 
strong, strong. See, uh, well, we have three more left. Two, two more, more left. left. I think two two left, more left. Yeah. I don't. I still don't know what's going to happen, uh, Jason. At the end of last episode, I said I don't know how they're going to wrap this up. I still don't really know how they're going to wrap this up. Well, but I'm how excited. Many, are there? You said there's three signals left that they haven't seen. They say something. Yeah, I at think the end, so. Right? I think I've only so. seen four or something. So you only got two episodes to have pop, I mean presumably they're not going to leave those signals till next season. Well, Zaheya <laughs> is where all the dilithium crystals are, right? Mm-hmm. So that oh, may yes. be space right crystals. that they that they the yeah, space crystals, exactly right. <laughs> I don't know how you say that in Klingon. Um and oh, and yeah, if my if my time travel forward theory is correct, you know, I I do feel like you know having the Enterprise nearby is a convenient thing because it allows them to kind of get a little more Enterprise action in the uh, in the climax of it and show the Enterprise, and then uh, obviously Pike gets handed back to them at the end of the season. Um, but the 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 mechanics of it, they have kept those close enough to their vest their their chest that I think it's good. Um. That that we are a little mystified about what the what the rules are, and I, like this is a good standalone episode. I, I enjoyed it too, Scott. But one of the things that I've really appreciated is because they try. I mentioned this last week. They try to keep the uh, solutions and problems constrained in in particular episodes as much as possible, um, mm-hmm. so you can't guess too far ahead but also every episode feels like the episode where that happened and this episode a lot of stuff happened but it, it is self-contained in a way that i think is good that that you I, I feel like we got a whole story and a bunch of stuff happened and the story continued so i feel like they've been really effective in that way and i thought this was a, a yeah a very entertaining really good really good hour yeah they've done they've done a nice job of of walking that line between stuff that's like just straight out serial like so many shows are and stuff that stands on its own because none of this i would argue none of it stands on its own quite as well as like you know your random tng episode right like those are truly self-contained for the most part like there's very little through line uh with any other episodes um but this still has like a serial plot that it's building on but yeah i agree that it manages just to contain the action and it's not like constantly just cliffhangery like oh well we'll figure that out next time it's like each time at the end of the show it manages to like pop up in that can just enough to be like and here's a hook so you come back next week um and so i i really enjoyed this one uh and, you know it's funny you said it was one of the shorter ones and i felt like man yeah i i felt like everything happened so fast like i kept expecting it to be longer <laughs> but uh 46 minutes is already pretty long for a uh for a uh, tv show yeah uh so yeah i i felt like there was the i, I could have taken more i was like just wanted to know what was going to happen next so i agree with two episodes left I don't know how they're going to wrap this up. I'm super curious. And I'm super excited to find out who who's going to get finally get promoted to be in charge of uh, Discovery next year. Oh, if they even let us know, right? <laughs> oh, that's true. It could be the end, you know, the the very final uh, seconds of the last episode. They say, and of course, your new captain is <gasps> to be continued. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Come on, make Saru make Saru the captain or Burnham one of them. They deserve it by now. <laughs> Yeah, I feel I, I, you know, Burnham's the main character of the show. I feel like Saru should be the captain, though. I feel like that yes, would be I agree. the way, the right way to do it. That he's kind of earned it, and then having an alien captain, and then having Burnham be his first officer. I think that's a that would be a, Which a, is, a fun and, dynamic. And it would be coming back around to like the first season where she is the first officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So she finally gets like she finally attains that status again. That's right. Uh, she is. She is, built uh, her way back up. 
That's right. She's reborn as first officer that she was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Saru has lost his ganglia, so he can be an effective captain now, and he won't be second-guessing sure. himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And he'll blow I'm a whole bunch of stuff it. up. Me too. And, uh, you know, despite my trepidation, I was, I'm was i now on board with Dan being on the podcast. So thank you, Dan, for hey. joining us. <laughs> Always nice to be here. I'm glad I could beam in on short notice. As am I. Uh, Jason, as always, a pleasure talking. Are we actually ending the podcast like a normal podcast and not doing a weird thing where it just cuts off and the music plays? You know, the Dan threw me off, and so I thought maybe we should do something normal. Uh, Well, then, in that case, I would like to sign off by saying, (laughs) Bokkud! Time crystals! (laughs) 